Welcome to the NSFW Photography Podcast, where we explore the art and business of erotic photography. We bring you in-depth interviews with photographers and models who push the boundaries of sexual expression through their work. We'll delve into their creative processes, the challenges they face, and the ways they're shaping the industry. Whether you're a photographer or model looking to expand your portfolio or simply a fan of erotic art, this is the podcast for you. So join us as we journey into the sensual side of photography and discover the beauty, intimacy, and empowerment that comes with it. Today, we're interviewing Kat Malone. Kat is an experienced model who travels just about anywhere. Have you learned to wink yet, Kat? <laughs> no, I still don't know how to wink. <laughs> All this time, and you still haven't solved. <laughs> I haven't solved the mystery. <laughs> That's fair. I can wink with my left eye, but not my right. Oh. That's interesting. This is kind of weird. Kat came on the podcast back in January 2021 on episode four. Things have changed on the podcast and things have changed in Kat's modeling career. So today we're going to catch up with Kat in part one. And then in two weeks, we're going to talk about her erotic work and her videos with Make Love Not Porn. Normally, I would refer people back to your original episode for your superhero origin story, but it's been two years. Things have changed. You've changed. So let's hear it again. Who are you and what do you do? Uh, well, hi, I'm Kat Malone, and I am an international traveling model and muse, and I also create online content for both OnlyFans and Make Love Not Porn. So I do want to touch on the muse thing. We've had a couple conversations, and I find the subject fascinating, but I have, a, I have show notes that I'm supposed to be following here. So how did you get into modeling? I started modeling when I was 18 for painters and sculptors. And then I didn't move into photography until I was about 23. I'm hmm. 32 now, and I've been doing it full-time ever since. When you first started doing it at 18, did you know you wanted to be a model before 18? Or was it like a local school or something? You just happened to see an advertisement? I'm pretty sure it was like... I just wanted to be rebellious to my parents. Like I'm 18, I'm going to pose nude <laughs> type of thing. I never thought I would become a professional model, but it was definitely fun. And I still like posing for painters today. That's fair. So it took a couple of years to move into photography. Was that mm -hmm. because you didn't want to do photography and just you were waiting until the right person asked you or did nobody ask you for the first five years? I think it was just something I never really thought about. I was in school and working on other aspects of my life. Like I was an art history major, so I wanted to teach. And I didn't move into photography until I met my body painter and started doing competition body paint modeling for her. So I met most of the photographers I started with through those experiences. All right. And how did you move into erotic modeling? I think that's just something innately in me. I've normally posed more sensually. I was mostly interested in erotic art. So I don't think I started that until I was about 25, but it was just a like a good move, I think, for who I am. All right. So, so what's changed for you over the last two years? We started talking right at basically the beginning of the... No, we talked, we talked, we talked about a year into the pandemic. And I know there were some struggles that you were having in terms of getting photographers and studio time and lots of stuff around the pandemic. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that was an interesting time, but it also helped me switch more to creating my own content. Now I do a lot more of that than I do photo shoots. Really? Is that because you make more money doing your own content or because it's easier to do your own content or are there fewer photographers? It, I definitely make more money through online content and I enjoy it. So it's since I'm putting a lot of effort into that, I have been traveling a little bit less. It's not that there's less shoot availability. It's just my career's changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. I see that you've described yourself as a sex worker. I feel like this can be a touchy subject amongst models. I've talked to several models, including Melancholic and some other ones that openly describe themselves as sex workers and others that avoid the label as much as possible. Do you think that all erotic models are sex workers or is there something different that you offer that other models might not? even though they call themselves erotic. I think a sex worker is anybody who sexualizes themselves for financial gain. So, I mean, it's your choice if you want to use the term or not. But in my mind, if you are sexualizing yourself for financial gain, you're a sex worker. That makes a lot of sense. Would that mean that art and nude models should also be classified as sex workers or not, since they're typically trying to create less arousal-inducing work? Well, I think it depends on each concept. Not all art nude concepts are in of a sensual nature. I think it's more about like the intent. If the concept that I'm posing for, the intent is to be sensual, then that would be, I guess, in the sex worker category. Uh, I think I think where that gets more interesting is when you start talking about non-nude models that are still doing like boudoir and lingerie shoots because they are mm -hmm. sexualizing themselves in return for money. Yes. Interesting. I doubt very many of them consider themselves to be sex workers. So interesting, interesting. All right. I, th I think that that makes sense. Uh, given that there's a large percentage of photographers that are doing nude and fetish photography specifically to satisfy a fantasy that they have, that does. I feel like that does make a large percentage of models sex workers, whether that's on purpose or not. Mm -hmm. Have you always felt that you were a sex worker or was there a certain point in your career where you kind of had that realization? I guess I didn't really consider myself a sex worker until... I was creating a lot more erotic content and then putting it online for like OnlyFans and make love not porn. All right. How do you feel about guys with cameras? I don't I don't know. I mean, I think that's like kind of a derogatory term, but definitely true in a lot of cases. A lot of the photographers I work for, it's their hobby. Like they're retired and instead of picking up golf, they picked up photography. And I guess that would be a guy with camera, but I still work for them. Like in the same way I would work for a professional photographer. I wouldn't necessarily call a guy, any guy with any hobbyist, a guy with camera for sure. I was thinking more of the ones where, you know, it looks like they took the picture with their phone. There's no even effort. Cause we were all amateurs at some point. We all have bad pictures. We all have, uh, pictures that we're embarrassed about when we were learning. I was thinking more like, you know, the, the ones where it's like a fully lit up room. There's no attempt at 
artistic lighting. It's just, you know, naked people and gyno shots and stuff like that. Okay. So like someone who isn't really concerned with the photography, they just want to, they're not even, they're not even trying. Yeah. Cause, yeah. cause again, like, like, you know, people are different skill levels. Like as long as you're trying, I'll give you a pass. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily enjoy those shoots <laughs> that much, but I def I still do them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can imagine. I think we've talked about this before, but I can't imagine there's that many professional photographers out there. <laughs> I, I don't think there's enough to truly support as many, as many models as there are. That's probably true. What what percentage of your shoots would you say are with serious photographers versus I don't want to say hobbyist either because hobbyists can be serious versus you know adventure photographers guys with camera you know ones that are ones that are just here because they want to see a set of tits. I don't know, probably fifty fifty. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Do you tend to see the guys with camera more than once, or do they just are they are they there? They just want to see as many women as um, possible. And the professional photographers want to find someone to stick with and keep shooting with. I think it's more, it's like case by case. I don't know if a lot of the people I shoot with rebook me multiple times. And that, that would be professional or guys with cameras. Mm -hmm. All right. Do you change your boundaries or standards or prices when working with a guy with camera? And the, 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 I spoke with somebody a couple of months ago. I cannot remember her name. Oh, Anara. She was talking about she'd shoot with anybody, but depending on how much she likes your work and how serious she thinks you are, she changes her price. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. If it's somebody that is, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but she definitely said that she increases the price. Ooh. That is, and then she and then she shot with me, and I'm just looking, and I'm like, huh, I wonder what the, what price I'm getting. Well, my prices or rates are listed on my model mayhem and model society and all those all those sites so i don't change them per concept or per photographer do you change your boundaries i pretty much always have the same boundaries right. i guess there's some photographers i feel more comfortable with like so i'm more into like erotic creativity because they're not a guy with camera. They like hmm. actually want to create something cool. But no, I, I wouldn't really say I would adjust my boundaries. Maybe my comfort level. I see. That, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, speaking of level of comfort, actually, that makes me wonder. Uh, do you, Are there types of content that you only make yourself versus make with photographers or with other content creators? Since you do uh, such a wide variety of content? Most of the time when I get booked for a shoot... There's a specific concept and if it's like erotic or not, I think there's more of a, like a theatrical aspect to it, like acting. So I wouldn't necessarily say like if I was booked for an orgasm concept with a photographer that that orgasm was actually real. But on the content I create, that's like me showing my personal intimacy. So that would be more authentic on how I would actually make myself orgasm. Right. All right. Fair enough. You call yourself a self-love muse. What does that mean? I feel like I inspire people through 
myself ex ex like exploring my sensual self and my life and documenting that on sites like OnlyFans and Make Love Not Porn. And through that, it inspires other people to like be more adventurous or love themselves more or be more adventurous in the bedroom type of thing. So I kind of like the term self-love muse because I, I like encouraging other people to love themselves. How do you feel about the concept of muse in general? I think it's a nice term. I like I like being a muse. I think it's kind of romantic. What does what does muse specifically mean to you? Someone who inspires others through their creativity. Oh, I like that definition. I've struggled with the idea of the muse a little bit myself. And I wonder if this is a problem that mostly men have where muse is almost always associated with sexual desire. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like, uh, have you been anyone's muse? Has anybody told you like, Oh, cat, you're my muse all the time. All the time. Do you typically feel that it's desire related? Probably about 90% of the time. Yes. No, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not crapping on that because honestly, like desire is so powerful Sexual desire has been such a force for creation and drive for men for all of all of history, <laughs> trying to impress women, trying to make women fall in love with them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's interesting. But I guess this kind of makes this kind of is similar to how you talk about uh, being a sex worker as well. Very kind of upfront with this. Just almost mm -hmm. it's almost a nicer word than sex worker. Amuse, yeah, yeah, but. It, Frequently means the same thing for artists, at least that work in work in erotic and nude art. So, hmm. Well, I definitely think you can be a muse for someone and it have nothing to do with sensual desire. Interesting. How would that work? Like if a lot of the photographers I work with, I work with multiple times. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure they would consider me a muse for them, but not all their concepts are erotic in nature. A lot of them don't even shoot nude or we well, only shot art nude. So I don't yeah. think in that case, that would be, I'm not like a, a sensual desire for them. I'm more like a creative muse. Hmm. But I think that the, the urge that's behind it, the desire that's behind why they want to shoot with you more than once is is probably related to sexual desire. Well, you might have to ask them that. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I mean, I had uh, I had someone that I worked with that I had a huge crush on, and I worked with her like six or eight times, and she never got naked, and nothing ever happened, but that didn't mean that that wasn't the energy behind it. Mm-hmm. So then again, maybe I'm just incredibly shallow. <laughs> All right. <Let's> hope not. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. It's possible. After interviewing a couple of dozen models, I'm, I'm definitely getting a feel for this. And I think that models generally fall into one of two camps. They are A, exhibitionists. They do this because they love the attention and they can get paid doing something they love. Group two is indifferent. They just don't care about being naked. They could be naked. They could be clothed. They don't really care. They're, they more care about 
the freedom that modeling provides and, and being paid for that freedom, the irregular hours, the high hourly pay, the travel, et cetera. Which side of these do you fall on? Do you fall on one or the other? Or are you kind of in the middle? I mean, I definitely prefer to be naked than clothed. So <laughs> I guess I'm an exhibitionist. That makes sense. I, I actually saw on your Twitter that you were brought in for Bliss Cruise mm -hmm. to do, it looks like airbrushing. Yeah, it's airbrush body paint modeling. Mm -hmm. Is that something you do frequently? I do the cruise twice a year in every April and every November. Hmm. Do you always go in as a model, as a as a body paint model? Or yes. do you just go sometimes? Oh, okay. That's interesting. I've been seeing bus cruises for years. So what is it like being a body paint model? Is your what's your is your job effectively just to wander around and look really attractive? Pretty much get paid to party in my paints. <laughs> Which goes back to getting paid for doing what you love. <laughs> <laughs> Did you always know you were an exhibitionist or is this something you discovered when you started doing the figure modeling for sculptors and painters? I've, I think I've always been more of an exhibitionist. Or one of those kids more. that was always running around naked. Mm-hmm. So traveling to the bliss cruise and you've done a lot of travel in the past although i was going to ask if you're traveling as much but i think you already mentioned that you've cut down on the travel and are focusing more on online content yes i travel about two weeks out of the month now i used to be gone all the time but i'm also like i'm going through a divorce right now Oof. so i was not gonna bring um, that up <laughs> It's okay. It's it's much better than it was before, but I think I was gone a lot because I didn't really want to be home. But now that I'm divorced, I started dating somebody new and I really like being around them. <laughs> so maybe that affects how little how, how I travel less now. Do you typically travel back to the same places over and over again or try to go to new places? It kind of depends on where I'm booked. So a lot of the time they're the same place, but occasionally I get booked to go somewhere completely new. Like last year I got booked to go to Iowa. I had never been to Iowa before. Everyone really is super nice there. <laughs> what part of Iowa? Iowa nice is what they say. <laughs> what part of Iowa? It was called Cedar Falls. It's funny. Cedar Falls or Cedar Rapids? Cedar Rapids, thank you. Yeah, my my brother lives just south of there. So oh well, it was kind of yeah. it was nice. I it's saw really cold. Oh, it was not cold when I was there. Thank goodness. Oh. But I saw, I think it's called the Devil's Backbone. Is close ish to there. It's a national park, and it was really pretty. It did kind of look like a backbone on the earth. Interesting. Never heard of that. <laughs> You should check it out if you go visit your brother. Uh, yeah. Looks like it's north a couple hours. Hmm. Uh, how do you decide where to go traveling? Is it typically where someone offers to book you and then you find other folks to book while you're there? Yes, it's normally around one larger booking, like the Iowa, Iowa one. I was booked for a whole week, so I only worked for that one photographer. But normally somebody wants to book a full day or a couple of days, and then I'll take other bookings around around that one. So as somebody who typically only books two to three hours at a time, I find that fascinating. What do you do if you're booked with a photographer for a couple of days? Shoot, just like I normally would. 
just a lot, just uh, a lot longer, a lot that, more places. Uh, it's normally a lot more places traveling to different outdoor locations. They just have a lot more concepts, I guess. And we, I tend to take a break in the middle of the day during those shoots. So it's like we shoot for three or four hours and then eat and then three or four hours. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I've never done that before. It does sound that makes sense. Like if you're going to travel and you want to do a bunch of stuff, I don't know. I just, I just find it very weird personally. How, how many of your shoots tend to be full day shoots? Is that the rare or that the norm? It's pretty normal for me. A tour, I would have at least two full day shoots. Huh. Interesting. I should try that at least once. <laughs> you mentioned before, oh, I'm sorry. Where do you find the most success finding photographers? Let's say, let's say a photographer decides to bring you out to, let's say not Iowa, let's say North Dakota or Minneapolis, okay. Minnesota, and you don't know okay. anybody in Minneapolis. What, what, what would you do to try and find other photographers and fill up the rest of your time? I actually still use Model Mayhem a lot. I know some models stopped using it, but I apply for castings all the time. I normally put travel notices up when I go when I go to a new area. I'll reach out to the photographers around the city that I'm in and it doesn't take very long for me to fill my schedule. Gotcha. Yeah, I've been hearing that a lot of people are moving away from Model Mayhem and using Instagram, but I I honestly cannot figure out a good way to use Instagram to find models in the area. Like nobody hashtags like their location. <laughs> nobody's got sometimes people have the location and the posts right a lot of people don't i mean i'll i definitely book through instagram but my instagram has been deleted twice so i'm on my third instagram account now. yeah i saw you've only got a couple of pictures on there i imagine it's very frustrating after yeah a certain number of times to be like all right now i have to rebuild this again but i do post like if i'm traveling i'll post my travel dates and my story and things like that. And I book through Twitter also. It's more like people who are following me notice I'm coming to their area, so they'll message me. Huh. Yeah, I still, there's still no perfect. I, I like the casting calls and model mayhem the best, but. Yeah, so so few people are doing that now. So you mentioned before that you've gone to you're making more money online making content that you've been made than you've been making for modeling. For a but you have you have a significant backlog. You've spent, you know, nine, almost ten years traveling and meeting photographers and building up that fan base. For a new model, would you recommend starting online and starting to get, go viral, try to go viral, try to build up that Instagram or that Twitter following, or would you recommend trying to meet more photographers in person? I mean, I think you have to do both. Social media is definitely part of my job, but I did start, I did start on Model Mayhem when I went full time. So I think it's, I think it's a good tool that models should be using, especially if they're They'll like complain about how they're not getting shoots or how do you always book out your tour? And, and it's because they're not using Model Mayhem. So um, that's what I would recommend. 
Interesting. All right. So speaking of shooting for nine years or so, what do you do with all of the photos you have? I imagine even though, you know, when you're being paid, you don't necessarily get all the photos, but you may get a few, you have nine years worth of photos. Do you have like an online place where you post them all or they, do they just go up on social media in kind of a random fashion? Do you, do you have a plan for how you post? Not necessarily. I mean, right now on my phone, there are over 10,000 photos and over 3000 videos (laughs) just looked. So I kind of, I mean, I post on OnlyFans. I run it like a blog. So I'll post like daily updates to my life and what I'm actually doing instead of like just photos or from a certain category or niche. So a lot of them are recent shoots. I could probably clean out my phone if I was (laughs) trying to be efficient. I'm just, I mean, I'm personally kind of staring at a lot of photos that I haven't published. I'm trying to figure out how to tell even if I have posted them and ones that I haven't and I was just curious if anybody, I'm asking everybody that because I want to know. <laughs> I did, I did like last year, I organized all the images into folders, which has helped a lot. So now there's like different categories on my phone. Like I think there's like, you know, lazy day cabin set, tentacle dildo set. This is what they're labeled <laughs> fingering POV, you know whatever <laughs> yeah so actually that brings up I, I have a question about this is there a large fan base for tentacle i know that hente is super popular is there a large like do people prefer weird dildos or normal dildos i don't know i don't know if i'm like actively in the the tentacle dildo category <laughs> or knowledge set. the first one i got it's, it's the only one I have, but it was given to me by a photographer to use for a set. Uh-huh. And it was huge. And I just laughed at, laughed when he handed it to me. I was like, there's <laughs> no way. But then it's like kind of very flexible. And because it was so large, I could like prop it in between my feet and like kind of ride it. And the tentacles are kind of fun to grind on. <laughs> so now I like it quite a bit, but it is huge. It's definitely not going all the way in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've seen there's is, is there a manufacturer that makes like dragon dragon dildos? I'm searching, I'm doing research as we go. Bad dragon, there we go. Yeah, that seems real popular online. Oh, bad dragons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but they all look wildly improbable. <laughs> this only works if your vagina is a TARDIS. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh minus minus not meant for that. <laughs> Dear God, this is like a dragon paw. All right. Oh my God. All right. I'm no, I'm closing this tab. <laughs> All right. I actually the the dildo thing. We're we're gonna talk more about the erotic stuff in the second half of this. So I'm gonna take a note here about that. Because I do have more questions about that. Because I'm kind of curious about. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the line between like kind of erotic and art nude and what types of, because when people say erotic, they mean so much, but we will talk about Mm -hmm. that in probably about 10 minutes. So we're talking about photos. All right. So now we've got some, just some kind of, kind of prompt questions to try and generate some interesting stories. What's the weirdest shoot you've been on? 
A weirdest shoot. Weirdest shoot, like a library or the top of a building or I don't know, even weirder. Um, hmm. I think the weirdest shoot I've done, it was a belly button fetish shoot. I've never heard of a belly button fetish before then. Interesting. And that was, that was, I mean, it was, he was nice and I guess he shoots this content, but yeah, erotically talking about my belly button was weird. So it was a, so it sounds like it was a video shoot. Yes. Interesting. So did you have to show off your belly button while you were talking about it and like poke it and like stretch it? and? Yeah. Like I wanted it to be, I wish I could have it penetrated or something like that. Uh, that one is definitely not a TARDIS. If the tentacle didn't fit, it's not going to fit in your belly button either. No, nothing is going to fit in my belly button. <laughs> For all the belly button fetish fans out there, do you have an Innie or an Audi? I have an Audi. Oh, that yep, that makes it real tough, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, nothing's going in there. <laughs> Is... But man, how I wish it could. <laughs> <laughs> I I find I find people's fetishes just fascinating. Did he reach you on Model Mayhem and ask about that? I don't remember how he reached out to me. Probably because sure. this was a while ago. Right. So I imagine it was Model Mayhem. Did you have any like specific reaction to it? Or were you just like, meh, you're paying. I mean, I it was fine. It I didn't really, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't like unsafe or weirded out or anything. It, it was just very different. All right. That's fair. That's fair. We're actually going to talk more about fetish as well a little bit later. Cause I noticed that you on your model mayhem, you've only got a couple of fetishes listed, but we'll talk about that more. How about the weirdest location you've shot? Hmm. Weirdest location. There's so many. I mean, yeah, studios are normal. <laughs> National parks and forests are kind of normal for photography. People's homes and places are normal. I did see somebody posted a picture of you down in uh, the streets of New Orleans. Yeah, I've that done New public. Orleans and New York a few times. I guess that, that would be weird, but I'm an exhibitionist, so it's fine. <laughs> are there any like like junkyards or anything or oh uh, <laughs> junkyards yes junkyards yes that's not yeah oh, oh i did a shoot in an operating like auto repair shop once like a really old one in a small town and the photographer asked permission huh. for me to shoot like during the work hours oh interesting so that was kind of weird yeah, I frequently wondered about that. Like, you see shoots in like restaurants and stuff. I've always wondered, like, how they get permission for that. I'd like to do a photography shoot. They're like, "Oh, sure," and they're like, "She's gonna be naked." And they're like, "Oh." Yeah, they were definitely very interested in the fact that I was naked. Oh, I see. I guess that's part of the attraction for the person who owns the place. I guess, huh? Maybe. I mean, he was trying to recreate an Herb Ritz photo. It's like a muscular man holding up two tires. Like he like 
obviously works there or something. Gotcha. And he's shirtless, but he's wearing like work pants and boots. So he wanted to do that shot, but with a female. So I wasn't like fully nude, but I was definitely topless. Did all the people from the store like sit around and watch? I guess you said it was during work hours. So I guess they're all there. Well, I was in the back, so I didn't really <laughs> the see the customers weren't coming customers. in and being like, "Hey, <laughs> yeah." I guess that'd be weird. All right, what was the sexiest shoot? You sexiest shoot? Well, I I did meet an ex girlfriend on a shoot. It was a girl girl shoot, and we originally were just gonna shoot like art nudes together. But I get the vibe was really good. So it ended up being like hot candle wax and like a full sex shoot. So <laughs> and then she was my girlfriend. So. <laughs> then you were back together. <laughs> I was all right, well, we'll talk about that later. I was actually gonna ask you if you were by because some of your some of your girl girl work look, but we'll talk about that in a bit. I am curious though. Because on one hand, I don't want to encourage that type of thing because that's exactly the type the type of thing that like guy with cameras are like, oh my God, this is my fantasy. If I bring two female models together, they'll start hooking up and then I get to join in or some shit like that. But how often does that type of thing happen where like the chemistry is good and you start off, you come in with one plan and the plan changes? I mean, that's happened to me twice. I got two different girlfriends from photo shoots but the photographer never joined in so that's probably for the best we don't need to encourage that <laughs> that will just encourage bad behavior so that's interesting though that that's only happened twice in nine years so that that really reinforces that this is not a common activity <laughs> do not I mean, frequently hmm? no I, I guess like I mean, I've I've done a lot of girl girl shoots, but I always work off of the other model's comfort level because my comfort level's normally higher than most people. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely liked uh, the people I dated, so I think it's just like that's how we met. We met at work. That's a plus <laughs> to like <laughs> the people you work with. So that being said, I am so. Because one of the things that a lot of photographers, and I'm judging this based off myself, when I reach out to a new model I've never worked with, if I have something that I, I think is risque, there's always, you know, there's a level of not shame exactly, but concern about, you know, I'm going to put this concept in front of her and she's going to say no, or she's going to be like, God, this guy's a weirdo like that, like that belly button person. I'm sure that belly button person, when they asked you, they probably were really worried about what your response would be. Do you have any like words of advice for both? Well, let's start with photographers. Photographers who have a concept that they're concerned is a little bit weird. When they're reaching out to you, what would you say to them? I mean, I guess I just talk to them like normal. Like I, there's so many fetishes and concepts out there. I'm not going to think anything is weird. And I always encourage the people I work with to ask me any question. Like they should feel comfortable to ask me anything. And if they don't say something and then I show up and I feel like I'm being pressured into something I wasn't told about before, that's what makes me feel awkward. Yeah. So I would rather you just like tell me, even if it's weird, you know, or you think it might be inappropriate or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You've been doing this for nine years. You've probably gotten a request for everything at this point, right? You're not seeing much new stuff anymore. Well, I did like one photographer, I kind of like gave him 
it's like a little props for following my my rules I didn't work with him though but it says like I have a little definition I send out when people book erotic photography mm -hmm. of my boundaries and it says I don't shoot with photographers but I'm okay with close-up POV angles and that particular photographer asked if he could have his hard dick over my face but no physical contact would be needed and I was like hmm that technically what goes with my boundaries, but no, right. you cannot do that. <laughs> I, I feel like there's a lot. You see, you heard of the, why, why can't I remember his name? I should write these things down because the same people come up over and over again. Terry something, Terry, the famous photographer from a couple of years ago that liked to get naked with the models. Mm-hmm. All right. Nothing comes up. Terry photographer. I'm going to remove. Yeah. He photographed Miley Cyrus. I'm going to remove all this boring stuff here. Terry Richardson. There we go. Like if you look at his non-fashion photo shoots, his, his dick features prominently in them. And mm -hmm. then along with a ton of like he, his photo shoots, he conveys the feeling of like, he's living the rock and roll life with a bunch of really cool people so well. But then it turns out after the fact, a bunch of models were like, we didn't actually want him to be naked. He was just decided to be naked. And I don't know. It's just, I feel like that's a big problem for a lot of photographers because they definitely, they don't want to, they don't see the model as being something they're capturing. They see some, they see themselves as being participatory. Is that something you see a lot of? Yeah, I see a lot of that, but I just always remind the photographer that I don't pose with photographers. So mm -hmm. I think the most I've allowed to like happen if I've worked with somebody for a long time, if their hand is in the shot, that doesn't really bother me that much. Like if they, like if I'm wearing a, a leash and collar and they mm -hmm. wanted the shot where they're holding the leash. Pretty, that's a trope for sure. Yeah. Like stuff like that. I'm normally fine with, but I, yeah, I mean, male or female wouldn't really matter. I wouldn't, pose with a photographer yeah there's a there's a photographer i used to like he had the most beautiful pictures of just absolutely wonderful models and then he started putting his hand in the picture like on the model's knee on mm -hmm. the model's thigh then he started putting his fingers inside the models and just and that yeah. just at least at least as a viewer of his photography it felt skeevy and weird and not at all what I was looking for in my photography. <laughs> Sounds um, yeah, I, I wouldn't like that. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for part one of our interview with Cat Malone. We'll be back in two weeks for part two and we'll go ahead and insert her social media stuff here so that you can follow her while you wait for part two. Do you have any projects, Kat, that you'd like to plug that you'd like people to be aware of? I guess like I would just, you know, I feel like I have really great fans and support. So I want to, you know, keep going and keep sharing and grow on Make Club Not Porn. So I encourage everybody to check it out. Even if you don't like my videos, you should just sign up <laughs> and see what it's about. <laughs> Awesome. Where can everyone find you online? You mentioned Make Love Not Porn. Are there other places that people should follow you? I'm on OnlyFans, Make Love Not Porn, Twitter, and Instagram. I would I used to say I'm one cat Malone everywhere. But <laughs> my anymore. Instagram 
is new, so my Instagram is not one cat Malone. Everything else is the same though. <laughs> not one cat Malone. All right. And with that, we are done. Check out part two in just two weeks. You can find us at the nsfwphotographypodcast.com on Twitter as nsfwphotography, Instagram at the nsfwphotographypodcast, Mastodon, nsfwphotography.social is the Mastodon instance, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app.